Welcome to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shade Curry, and I believe every divorced woman deserves a romantic relationship where she feels safe, loved, and cherished. You can create the most amazing life after divorce, and I will teach you how. Hey friends, welcome to episode 25. Today, I'm going to talk about the art of self-love. But before I do that, I just wanted to share something that happened over this weekend. So I went to Kansas City to visit with a friend of mine that I met right as my divorce was happening. So during that time, I had been pretty sheltered, I would say, from um, the internet worlds <laughs> throughout my marriage. Um, I mostly focused on parenting and, you know, keeping a home, raising my kids. I read personal development books, um, but I didn't really read far and wide in that area. Um, I really wasn't very aware about trauma recovery and personal development, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the context. Um, when my divorce happened, I was just like really shocked out of that comfortable state and wanted to figure out what in the world just happened to my life. So um, I started this like quest to figure out um, kind of what was going on with me, uh, learned a lot, and that led me to join um, some support groups. So I joined a support group on Facebook for Christian women who were uh, going through divorce, separated slash divorced. It was an amazing, amazing group, very vibrant. It was hosted by Elizabeth Klein at the time. Uh, she's no longer the host, but the group still exists. Anyway, um, I had done a Facebook Live in the group and told my story. Um, several of us would tell our stories of what was going on in there. And this lady, Kike, reached out to me and said, hey, are you a Nigerian? <laughs> and I was like, yes, why, yes, I am. And so we connected and this was about, uh, it was a little less than a year into my divorce. So I was still in the throes of survival stage. Like you're talking craziness happening in court, all of the height of the horrors, right? So all the financial lows, all the drama highs, it was just, is the worst, the worst period. And we were looking at our first Christmas was coming up. And so she said, Hey, do you guys want to come spend Christmas with me? Right. And I was just like, Oh my God, that would be amazing. Um, so we drove out, it's about three and a half hours from St. Louis, Missouri over to Kansas City, Kansas. And so I packed up my kids that Christmas and drove over and we spent Christmas together with our kids. And it was just such an amazing uh, oasis in like the desert of divorce is how I'm going to put it. And so that's how we met. And uh, oh, this weekend, I went out to uh, where she is and spent a whole day with her. And the reason I'm telling this story is because I wanted to uh, kind of tell you about a question that she asked me. So now we're talking, we've been friends for about six years, going on our seventh year of friendship now and really walking with each other through divorce, divorce recovery, rebuilding our lives, getting to where we are now. And she said, well, so what have you learned? Like since the divorce, what have you learned? <laughs> and I thought about it and I said, you know, there are just a couple of lessons that I think are the most important lessons. The ones that like 
sunk deep down into my soul and really inform everything that I do now, everything that, um, the way I look at life, my approach to things. So I don't have like, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I don't really have actions laid out. I more have, um, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a spiritual approach to life, I guess is kind of what the lessons are. And so when I'm faced with a situation or when something happens, I sort of sink back into those things that I know deep down in my soul that I've learned. And then I take steps for the things that are in front of me. And one of them um, that I shared with her was that my life is really, really up to me. I did not know this. I did not know before I got divorced that I was 100 I'll even say 1000% responsible for my life. Like how my life turns out in the end is 100% up to me. And I learned this just because I had put so much of the responsibility for the outcome of my life in my ex's hands. And he was more than happy to say, yeah, I'm responsible, except that he didn't take responsibility. (laughs) He didn't, um, uh, he didn't, in a sense, fulfill that promise. But what I learned was that like nobody can fulfill that promise. Even if someone says, yeah, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do all these things. No human can really take responsibility for another, except when they're your kids. Like when you have children, yes, you are hundred percent responsible for taking care of your kids. But once you're an adult and once your kids are adults, they become a hundred percent responsible for their lives. And that really sunk down into my bones that my life is really up to me. I'm a hundred percent responsible. When other people do things, I am responsible for how I respond to it. I am responsible for how I, what I create from that situation that other people, uh, that maybe other people set up or things that other people do. And that 100% responsibility has been, you could say, the most productive way of thinking that I have. So when it comes to money, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to my personal growth, my health, everything that you could want in life, deep down in my soul, I know that it's up to me. Now, navigating that, you know, is different for every situation, but that knowing helps me kind of trust myself. It actually is a bit of a, an amazing feeling to know, oh, it's up to me. I don't have to wait for someone to help make this happen. I don't have to wait for someone to validate my dreams. I don't have to wait for someone to tell me what I can or cannot be or what I can and cannot do. It actually makes me feel inspired and happy and empowered to know that everything in my life is is up to me. So that was one. Another philosophy that I would say I have taken on that I now embody is that there's nothing I can't create in my life if I am willing to go through the personal transformation that's required. So on the other side of personal transformation, growth, discomfort, learning something new, doing something new, all of that is everything that I want. So from where I'm standing, 
I look at things that I want in my family, things that I want in my business, things I want in my finances, things that I want in my friendships, in my health, whatever, all those things that I want, I realize that I can have all of them if I'm willing to go through the personal transformation required for each thing. And really, this is an offshoot of the first one. It just means, oh, I'm 100% responsible for getting what I want. And if I'm willing to go on that journey to get what I want, if I'm willing to go on that journey to learn a new skill, to um, change my habits, to change the way I look at things, to practice what I believe and go through that discomfort of shifting and changing and growing, then I can have whatever it is that I'm going for. And so I wanted to share those two. We shared a, we shared a whole lot more <laughs> over the weekend, but I wanted to share those two with you just to let you know that divorce can be a real catalyst for personal growth. It can be a real catalyst for your best life. That's what it's been for me. I have no regrets really for, uh, I have no regrets for the, the growth and transformation that I've received from my divorce journey. And I really use it as a platform for all the growth and uh, things that I will achieve going forward. And I love all of the lessons that I have received from my divorce. I consider them a gift. And I just wanted to share that with you. So, and I wanted to shout out Kikan, just how amazing she is and what a loving, kind human she is. And just to say, you know, sometimes along the way, God sends you some angels to help you get to where you're going. And she has been one of them for me. All right. So let's go on to our topic today, which is the art of self-love. So I'll start by saying that I actually prefer the term self-regard to self-love, just because culturally self-love has been um, defined in ways that I guess you could say have a negative connotation to them. Um, self-love is associated with narcissism. Self-love is associated with selfishness, which really isn't technically correct, but um, in a sense, you have to bring everyone together to the same frame of reference before you can talk about something. So I want to define what I am referring to as self-love or self-regard so that we're all on the same page with it. And if you have a different word for this, then you can use um, that word for it. Sometimes when we use a word, one person has one frame of reference for, for it. They have one definition for it. And another person has a different definition for it. And so if you don't agree on what that word means, you might be working from two different templates while communicating to each other, and then there are problems. So, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. We'll discuss frames of reference at a different time. But for today, um, when I talk about self-love or self-regard, I consider that, um, a state of caring for your own self, of, uh, seeing the importance of your own well-being, right? It's a state where you look at yourself and you consider your own well-being important. And maybe not just important, you consider your well-being critical at all times. When you love yourself, it means you think it's important that you do well. You think it's important that you are in a state of peace and joy, calm, health, that 
you consider it important that things go well for you. That is what I consider self-love. That is what I consider self-regard. And then from that place of making your own well-being a priority, you would then take certain actions that would promote that. A lot of people will define self-love as the actions that you take, but those actions can be different for different people, right? And sometimes you can take certain actions and they don't come from self-love. So um, the popular cultural, I guess, a view of self-love is, oh, you get a massage or you get a facial or you get your nails done or things like that. So while each of those actions could come from a place of self-love, they do not in and of themselves indicate that a, uh, that a person loves themselves. Do you wonder exactly how divorced women just like you are meeting eligible men who want a real relationship and a commitment? They're doing it by dating with their core values. Your core values are the GPS that lead you to the partner you've been looking for. When you use your core values on dating apps, text messages, and at social events, you will easily connect with your true match partner without chasing, settling, or wasting time with non-committal men. I have taught exactly how to do this in the two-hour Core Values Dating Blueprint course available on my website, shadecurry.com forward slash dating. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y dot com forward slash dating. You will learn exactly how to identify your core values and use them on your dating profile, how to ask the right questions via text, and how to tell the right stories on dates so that you attract the right people and repel those who aren't right for you. If you're ready to meet your true match, hop over to shadecurry.com forward slash dating or click the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Self-love or self-regard means that you are consciously and subconsciously aware of your value. Like all of the time, you are aware of how valuable you are as a human being. This is huge. This is so huge, especially when you are dating. That um, desire to um, have your own happiness, to, to see that your happiness is important, is critical when you're dating. When I talk to women, often they are aware that they should be happy and that their well-being is important up until the moment that they meet a guy. <laughs> and the moment the man is in the picture, their understanding or their consciousness of their own value flies out the window. And from that moment on, the value of the partner that they're with becomes the priority. And they forget that they um, are deserving of their own attention, that they are deserving of their own resources, that they are deserving of well-being, that they are deserving of happiness as well. And this is the reason why uh, self-regard is so important to me. It's one of the reasons I am constantly reminding my clients about it. I'm constantly 
walking them through exercises that helps them reinforce their own worthiness, their own value over and over so that when they are in a relationship, when they do go on on a date, their, their value for themselves does not fly out the window. If you were in um, an abusive or especially difficult marriage uh, before your divorce, you might have some trouble reestablishing your self-love. Like you might really need to work on reestablishing an understanding of your value and your worthiness and um, practicing it to the point that you actually live it out. So it's one thing to know it intellectually. It's quite another to know it deep down in your bones, deep down in your soul to the point that you actually live it out and walk it out. When you're in a difficult marriage, depending on how far down the spectrum of difficult (laughs) you were, you might have um, been in a situation where your wants and needs were not met. Not only did your partner maybe not attempt to help meet your wants and needs, um, they may have actually prevented you from meeting your own wants and needs if you were working on um, you know, your own value and your own health. Like in some situations, um, there are, I've heard stories of spouses stopping their uh stopping the other from getting medical attention, financial abuse, spiritual abuse, um, just so many things that go into things that attack a person's self-regard, that attack a person's sense of worth, their sense of um, being worthy of care. One of the affirmations that I used for myself um, as I was working through my recovery was, I am worthy of my own time and attention and resources and care. And this was because if you add on my uh, childhood and my upbringing onto my marriage, I was left with a sense that other people were worthy of my time. Other people were worthy of my attention. Other people were worthy of me caring for them. Other people were worthy of my resources. And this played out in so many different ways. One example is um, even when I would uh, make money, I would feel so uncomfortable using that money for myself. Like I would look for other people to spend it on. I would make sure that I parceled it all out until all the money was gone. And that's just one small example of what it looked like in my life when I was not really deeply uh, seated. uh, I didn't have a deep seated understanding of my own worth and my own um, uh, uh, self-love. I guess I didn't have that self-love for myself. I didn't have that regard for myself that I could work out, that I could walk in. So what are some steps that you can start taking to create this level of self-regard and self-love in your life? The very first step, as always with any personal growth, is awareness. Start to become aware of the level of self-regard that you have for yourself. How is it playing out in your life? Like just start to observe yourself, start to see what you're thinking, how you're thinking about yourself, and how you are acting that out in your life. Awareness is 50% of solving the problem. If you at least know what the problem is, you can start to take steps to, um, to solve it. 
One is how do you talk to yourself? What do you say to yourself in your own head? How do you respond to yourself when you are doing things? Are you highly self-critical? Do you shame yourself? Do you think you're unworthy? Do you think you do things in a terrible way? Like how do you actually see yourself, right? If you could step out of yourself and interact with yourself, what is what are the words that you are saying to yourself, right? Do you think you are perfectly all right? Like you have value. Do you think you're special? Do you think your needs are important, right? Are you willing to help yourself? Are you willing to grow yourself? Are you willing to make time for your own needs? Are you willing to take time to rest? Something as simple as resting, getting enough sleep, right? Um, Not overworking can be a signal of how much you love yourself, so that awareness is the very first thing. Um, you can also, to, to be create awareness, you can also look at whether or not you're able to set boundaries. Are you willing to protect yourself and protect your resources when necessary? Are you willing to speak up for yourself when necessary, right? These are all things that if you have appropriate self-regard, you will speak up to protect yourself right? You will uh, protect your resources, your money, your body. All of these can be areas you can look at to determine how well you are loving yourself, how well you are caring for yourself. If you are the one person tasked with caring for you, how good a job are you currently doing? How well are you taking care of your own needs? right? How well are you taking care of your medical needs, um, your physical needs? How well are you taking care of your financial needs? How well are you providing for yourself? These are all areas that you can look at. Now, of course, it's different for each person. For some of us, it shows up in some areas, doesn't show up in others. This is why awareness is so important. Taking the time to really observe yourself, to reflect on your life and how it's playing out so that you can see whether or not you are um, loving yourself in ways that are appropriate. And then you can also look at the results that you are creating in your life. So you look at the way you're thinking and the way you're acting. What results are you creating in your life? What results do you have in your friendships? Like, are you tolerating friends who are highly critical of you, right? Friends who are, um, who don't love you, friends who don't respect you, people in your life who do not reciprocate the respect that you give to them. Those, all of those types of things can be signals that your self-regard, your ability to self-champion, your ability to advocate for yourself may not be at the level that they need to be. And then once you kind of identify where you are, you want to start to change the way you think. The root is always the way we think. And you may have been thinking some of these thoughts since you were a kid. So it's going to take a minute and a little bit of work (laughs) to get to where you want to. When you identify the areas that you are not walking in self-love, you want to start to say, okay, well, what are the thoughts that are fueling, fueling this? How am I thinking about myself in a way that is causing me to behave this way or allow these situations in my life? And identify those thoughts and then start to change the thoughts start to say, well, what would it look like for me to love myself? What would it look like for me to um, give myself the self-regard and the self-respect and the value? What would it look like for me to consider my well-being important, for me to make my well-being and my happiness a priority? What would it look like for me to do that? And then walk your way back. If this is what it looks like, how do I need to be thinking? How do I need to behave in order to move into that? 
absorb the new ways of thinking, the new thoughts, the new internal self-talk, and then begin to take actions that come out of that. So an example would be if you, maybe you neglect your, your health, right? You don't schedule that, um, check up with the doctor, you've been putting off your dental appointment for years, right? That's a signal that your level of self-regard and the priority of your well-being isn't where it needs to be, right? Ask yourself before you jump to, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, <laughs> like you said a hundred times before, just take a moment to to reflect, why haven't I done it? What am I thinking that has made me put that appointment off for the last three years? And just sit with that. That's the first step. That's the awareness. You just sit with what have I been thinking? Why have I been putting it off? And then we can identify the thought that has created the result of not getting your teeth checked or not getting a certain medical appointment scheduled. You can change the thinking. You want to change the thinking first, right? And there are, you know, you can question, you can question the thought. You can like, there's all, it depends on what it is, right? So I can't coach you from this podcast, but you can change that thought. And then from that thought, you create a new way of thinking. You absorb that new way of thinking. And then when you do that, it makes it so easy to change your actions. It makes it so easy to be super motivated, to get that appointment on the calendar, to make the time to go. And it creates this joy that you start to feel because you're caring for yourself. You feel cared for, you will feel supported, you will feel loved, you will feel validated and seen, not because someone else is coming in to care for you because you are now caring for yourself. You are now um, prioritizing your own well-being and your own happiness. And all of this really does relate to dating. I know I didn't talk about dating much today. The reason this is important in your dating journey is that you are creating a foundation for being very well cared for in your new relationship. There is no human being on this planet who's going to be able to care for you a hundred percent. No one's going to be able to take care of all your wants and needs a hundred percent. So if you already live a life where you are well cared for, where your needs are taken care of, where you validate yourself, you see yourself and you truly know your worth. And I, that's kind of a cliche, but when I, in the context of what we've been talking about, knowing your worth means you actually see your worth and you act on the fact that you are valuable. When you do that, you demonstrate to anyone who comes into your life how you want to be treated, how you intend to be treated. Because your well-being is a priority to you, it becomes super clear to anyone you're dating, to your friends, to your family, that your well-being is a priority. And then they can make the decision as to whether or not they want to help contribute to that or whether they want to be somewhere else with somebody else, right? And so it's this is why it's so critical to love yourself as part of your dating journey is because too often we're hoping someone's going to come into our lives and help us. That person is going to come in and help motivate us to put that medical appointment on the calendar. Oh, they'll make the appointment on the calendar for us because they love us so much and they're going to help us work out and they're going to help us um, eat healthy food and they're going to help us make our finances better. All of these things. And so we're just sitting here waiting for someone to come in and do all of this self-love work for us so that, that we don't have to do it, 
that isn't going to work. First of all, that person needs to be doing their own self-love work. (laughs) That's the first thing. A healthy situation is where you have done your self-love work, like I would say like 80%. That's just throwing out that number. You've done 80% of your self-love work, prioritizing your needs, taking care of yourself. That person comes and they've taken care of their stuff 80%. And then what happens is that 20% that's left, you do for each other and multiply your efforts to create this really beautiful, powerful, healthy relationship. And that, my friends, is why self-love is super important if you want to find a healthy partner. This work right here is what it looks like to be a healthy person before going into a relationship. Now, you don't always have to stop dating to become a healthy person. You can just start making this self-love work a part of your dating journey, right? Just start to become aware, looking at your results, changing your thinking, absorbing the new thinking and acting out on that new thinking as you date, You can start to use dating as a container for observing the level of self-love you have for yourself. Are you keeping yourself safe as you date? Are you, you know, respecting yourself and setting boundaries? How comfortable are you setting boundaries? See, setting boundaries comes easy when you truly have a high regard for yourself. So take this, run with it, make it a part of your dating journey And um, you'll really see that it makes a difference in your thinking and in your comfort around dating and around what other people are doing in your presence in the dating world. All right, that's our episode for today. Thank you for your time and attention, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you are ready to get married after divorce, I want to invite you to download my free eight video training specifically designed to help divorced women date with ease and get married again. Head over to shadecurry.com to get started. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y.com. I'll see you inside.